Let us pray. Gracious God, we turn to you in our hours of deep distress. We know that your thoughts are not our thoughts, neither are your ways our ways. Whereas the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher than our ways and your thoughts than our thoughts. Lead us away from the temptation to seek an explanation for why tragedies and sufferings happen to us, and instead comfort and sustain us with the assurance that your love in Christ will not fail us even in this hour. Strengthen us in the conviction that in all things you work for the good of those who love you. Remove all doubts and complaints from our hearts and help us in humble submission say, with Job, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. We commit ourselves to your loving care now and forever through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation today is from the book of Ruth, the first chapter beginning with the first verse. During the days of the judges, a famine occurred in the land. So a man left Bethlehem in Judah to stay a while in the territory of Moab, he, his wife, and his two sons. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were from the clan of Ephrath, from Bethlehem in Judah. They entered the territory of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, so she was left with her two sons. They then married Moabite wives. The name of the first was Orpah, and the name of the second was Ruth. They lived there for about ten years. But Naomi's sons, Malon and Kilion, also died, so the woman was left without her two children and without her husband. Then Naomi set out with her daughters-in-law to return from the territory of Moab, because while she was in the territory of Moab, she had heard that the Lord had graciously visited his people by providing them with food. So she left the place where she had been and her two daughters-in-law left with her. They set out on the road to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, both of you, return to your mother's house. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to the dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you find security in the house of a husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept loudly. But they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. Then Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Am I going to give birth to any more sons who could become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to be married to another husband. Suppose I say, I have hope, and I will be married to another husband tonight, and I will even give birth to sons. Would you wait for them until they grow up? On the basis of that hope, would you give up the chance to marry another husband? No, my daughters, it is much more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has reached out against me. They once again wept loudly. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth would not let her go. Naomi said, Look, your sister-in-law has returned to her people and to her gods. Go back, follow your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to abandon you or to turn back from following you, because wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you make your home, I will make my home. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely, and double it if anything but death separates me from you. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. 
What's the situation that we find our church in? We stop to take stock. What can we say about it? I recently read the the perspective of an older minister who has been a pastor for decades, and he said there's a tendency for old-timers like me to look fondly at the church of 20, 30, or 50 years ago through rose-colored glasses. We forget that the human heart was just as recalcitrant in sin back in those days as it is today. We fail to remember that there were really no glory days for the church. We might be tempted when we take stock to think that the church is worse off now than it once was. The disciples of Jesus, quaking in fear after Jesus had ascended into heaven, may have thought it was much worse off than it had been when he was with them. Naomi certainly thought the situation for God's people was much worse than it had once been. Turn back, my daughters, she said. Why should you go with me? Because she believed the situation to be hopeless. Her faith had been shaken, and so she didn't think of the salvation of her daughters-in-law. But Ruth demonstrated evidence of faith in the true God. And this is what faith does. Even when it seems to be alone, it clings to the true God. And therefore, compare the faithful person to the one who has no faith, that faith sees hope where others see none. Naomi listed several reasons there could be no hope for Orpah or Ruth. She had no sons whose duty it would be to marry their brother's widows and care for them. She didn't have a husband who could give her more sons, let alone the fact that she was too old have children, and even if she could, Orpah and Ruth would have to wait years for them to be of an age to marry and care for them. Every rescuer, savior, and caretaker was taken away from these women. Besides all this, it was very unlikely that they would be able to find any husbands who could provide for them in Judah because they were Moabites. And according to the law, Moabites could not be part of the assembly of Israel. Israelites were permitted to marry Moabites, unlike other nations' peoples, but they were excluded from certain religious rites. There would have to be a compelling reason for any man in Judah to join himself to a woman of Moab. But Orpah was convinced. The lack of faith in her mother-in-law convinced her. With a kiss, she departed and went back home. But Ruth did the opposite. She would not let her go. Recall the actions of another faithful child of God. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And this is something that we as Christians must learn over and over and over again, that when it seems like God is our enemy, when it seems as though his promises have been revoked, when it seems like our whole life is just one big failure, faith is being sure about what we hope for, being convinced about the things that we do not see. Page through any book of the Bible and take note of how much it instructs you in a time of suffering. 
We can think of the clear examples of Ruth, of Job, of the Canaanite woman whom Jesus seems to reject by calling her a dog. In all these hopeless situations, faith holds tight to God. Life is a violent and stormy sea. We're promised salvation if we remain aboard the boat of our baptism, and there we are carried in the name of our Savior God. But the storms rise harder. The waves of sin, of despair, of the world, of the devil, they tear us free. Faith is the tether, the life preserver to which we cling in the depths that nearly drown us. In the dark, we can't see the boat, so how do we know that it hasn't gone on without us, that God hasn't decided we are lost and cut the rope? Without seeing, we hold on. The pain of life seems to be the judgment of God that we are cursed. Who else can have caused this? Or if he didn't cause it, at least couldn't he have prevented it? When the waves roll over our heads, God is far away, it seems. He's declared us lost. And therefore, faith says, God, you're now saying that I'm cursed, but I'm confused because you've promised that I would be blessed. You can't change your own oaths. You've sworn by yourself. You've engraved me in the palms of your hands. My name is written in your book of life. Change your declaration now and tell me again that I am blessed. And faith founded in this way upon the word of God, which never does change, will win out. This faith is not a strength of will. We might think so, but the forces of the devil are too strong for us. He's an angel of light. Formerly one of God's most powerful servants. He has hordes of fallen angels at his side. The forces of the entire world are too strong for us. And it is all fallen and corrupted in sin. That's God's enemy. So the death and decay and idolatry of the whole world batters us down. And now even if our wills were strong enough to fight against those enemies, there is a third enemy. And that's the one within. That's our own sinful flesh. This heart of sin and death fights against the faith that God places in our hearts. We are literally our own worst enemies. Therefore, it is an immense blessing to us that the fight of faith against these enemies is not one that we accomplish with our efforts. Faith, instead, is bolstered and strengthened and made a conqueror by God himself, by those very promises fulfilled in our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. The death of Christ was the destruction of the devil, the conquering victory over the whole world, and the purging of our sinful flesh. Faith, once again, is the tether that unites us to him. When it seems like there is no hope, faith tied to 
the death and resurrection of Jesus, that faith knows all those appearances to be a lie. And it knows that God still calls us blessed. And further, therefore, faith goes where God is found. No doubt you've heard part of this text used at weddings before. Because wherever you go, said Ruth, I will go. And wherever you make your home, I will make my home. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. It might seem strange to us to use that, those words for a wedding when you see that it's the words of a woman to her mother-in-law. But here's why it is appropriate. Ruth, once again, was a Moabite, and therefore she was not one of God's people. But Naomi was an Israelite, and she was one of God's people. Now, Ruth would not have access to God's grace if she could not join God's people. Were we to read on in the book of Ruth, we would see how the Israelite man Boaz cared for Ruth and took her as his own wife, redeemed her, and gave her a place of honor. And our Savior has done the same thing for the church. He gave himself up for the church. He did this so that he could present her to himself as a glorious church, having no stain or wrinkle or any such thing, but so that she would be holy and blameless. The ultimate marriage is this marriage of Christ and his church. The bride of Christ, therefore, vows by baptism to go where Jesus goes, to make her home where Jesus makes his home, to have as her people the people of Jesus, and to have as her God, Jesus' God. When a person is baptized, he makes the promise to renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways, and instead to be devoted to the triune God in which that person publicly confesses to believe. Likewise, enjoined upon each individual Christian is the command to not neglect meeting together. The gathering is where the church meets her groom again and again. It's the divine service, which is the home where we may be with our Redeemer who has made us his own. And there also we encourage one another as Christians. Through this history, Ruth, a Moabite woman was grafted into the people of God. And among the descendants of Boaz and Ruth was David, who was made king. And his greatest descendant was Jesus Christ, who repeated this history again for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This purchase of our souls for himself was not something we deserved. It was to work his own pleasure in saving us. Because of his love for us, Jesus died for us. And he rose from the dead for us. Those were his marriage vows. He has not abandoned us, but he continues to return to us in the divine service, in the word, and in the sacraments again and again. So what state is the church in? It's in a state of grace. Yes, things are difficult, and we're constantly adapting to new situations in society 
and in culture, but we have our heavenly bridegroom who is still with us, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, our marriage vows to our Savior may constantly be, do not urge me to abandon you or to turn back from following you, because wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you make your home, I will make my home. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. And for his own sake, he always accepts us. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen. Once again, I would like to continue to urge you to please keep sending your offerings in, as many of you have been already. It's greatly appreciated, the, the care and upkeep that you're providing to the church. Uh, as you uh, noticed last Sunday, I announced that this Sunday we would have services here, but uh, various other things have come in to throw a wrench into that and to change our plans. Uh, but our plan now is uh, to, to have services in, in some capacity on June 7th, the first Sunday in June, we will have services here in the, in the church building at Our Saviors. Now, we are going to be taking every safety precaution that we possibly can as far as that goes uh, so that people can gather and still remain safe. We'll be uh, dividing pews up. Uh, we'll be taking extra precautions with communion. We'll be instituting some one-way traffic through the church building, and, and other things are not going to be handed out. Uh, we'll encourage people to come uh, bringing masks uh, uh, of their own. We'll be providing a hand sanitizer at both doors. Um, if you are at risk, uh, whether you have a pre-existing health condition or if you are uh, over the age of 65, we would urge you to remain home uh, and stay in contact with the church uh, via telephone and uh, keeping up with the, with, um, the, the audio sermons online. Uh, we'll continue to post those uh, as well and, and we'll try to stay in touch as much as possible until we can fully open up without any of these uh, these precautions, but uh, continue to keep the church in your prayers. Uh, we're keeping you in our prayers as well. Let us know if there's uh, any anything we can do for you. If you have any concerns or questions or anything, uh, we want to make sure everyone is is at ease uh, and, and keeping in mind uh, the, the health and care of one another as well. And so with that, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.